Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. I am so excited to get into the word today. So why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's get into God's word together. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your house. We thank you that we never uh, become familiar with what it is that we do here, that we continue to push Jesus to everyone, the love of Christ to every single person that we possibly can, God. We thank you for this opportunity that we have, this community-building church, God. We thank you that as we go forward, We haven't seen anything yet. We know that it's just a small drop in the bucket of what we've seen, and we're going to continue to push forward and see even greater moves of God through this church, through every location, through whatever we do. We thank you for all the leaders of of Canada, all the leaders of every province, God. We always pray for them. We thank you for health and healing and strength and courage and joy within each and every one of them, and that they continue to seek you in how they push forward what they do, God, that your perfect will is what we want for Canada, is what we want for every single province, God. we thank you that whoever is in power, whoever is in leadership continues to push forward your perfect will. And for those that are self-serving, we thank you that we can move them out and we can elect someone even better and greater that will take us into your perfect will. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Awesome. A little while ago, I had a message series on my heart for a while. And, and I always say whenever I walk around is, I just preach what helps me. And I just hope that it helps everyone else (laughs) because I'm going through things all the time. I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm praying, I'm getting into devotions as much as I can. I fail to do devotions sometimes. I fail to pray when I need to. I'm in the same journey as each and every person that call this this church their home. Um, And it's, it's awesome to be a part of something that we can go forward together, acknowledging the fact that we're all on a journey. We're all growing together. And so whenever I share these things and messages that come to mind, I always want you to know that it's because I'm on this journey as well in my life. And so a month ago, I started a a series called pause. You guys would have, you guys would have heard my second message to that series, which was a couple weeks ago, um, where I talked about just prioritization and everything to do with that. And so I want to teach on pause today. Again, my, my, my message title today is called pause. And you guys never got to hear the first message of this series. And so I want to catch you up because I'm going to continue down this series a little bit more probably this Sunday as well. And as we go forward, because there's just so much that I keep diving into. And I've never preached a message that every single week, every single day gives me another analogy of why this is so like relevant to what we're going through as, as, as individuals, as families, as church. And so the, the crazy thing is in the world that we live in is that it is insanely busy all of the time. It feels like every year, every day, every week is getting busier and busier and busier. What's the last conversation you have with someone where you ask them, how are you doing? Typically, it is good. Just really busy, really busy. I'm, I'm, oh, just so much going on right now. And they could be telling the truth or it could be just this perpetual state of busyness, a mindset that so many of us have. We could be on vacation for two weeks and come back and say, 
I was so busy. Oh my gosh, it was so busy. And it's, it's this perpetual state of busyness. And that's what I'm talking today. We all have of task lists. We all have things that we need to do. We all have things that we need to push forward as a family, as a church, as a business, wherever you are. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this state of perpetual busyness no, where no matter what you do, you always feel like you're in a rush. You always feel like you have to get to the next thing. You always feel like you have a task list to complete. When you get one task list done and, you, and it's done or one, one, uh, the number one point on your, on your task list done, it just number two goes to number one and you're back to rushing around and in this perpetual state of busyness. Before I get into further, the, the bu- busyness will ruin your marriage. It will, it will ruin your, your church life, your community at church. It will ruin your relationship with God. It will ruin your family. It will ruin your business. It will ruin your career. It will ruin everything relational in your life because this perpetual state of business makes you stay in a side where you prioritize the wrong things first and it takes all of your mind, your brain, your thoughts in order to move forward into that. And the scariest thing about this perpetual state of busyness is you never step into what God's called you to do because you're just too busy to even think about it. You're too busy to even be led. You're too busy to even hear that still small voice that we read about in the, in the Bible where we read all about these things. It's just, you're just in a spot where like, no, I don't even hear God. And then we start questioning God if he's real, if he's there, if this happens, if that happens, which we shouldn't be, but we're doing it because of our own actions, our own decisions in our own life. And so we get to this time where God is wanting to be beside you and there and guiding you. It says in all of our ways, acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. So that means that as in our state of perpetual busyness, that's not that's not the way Christ moved. That's not the way that Christ walked the earth. It, was, it wasn't constant busyness. Do you think in, in, in the one person that, that, that Jesus talked to, whenever he talked to one person that he said, sorry, I, I really got to get to my next appointment? No. Now we live in a world that's a little bit different, a little more fast paced, it seems like, and I get that, that there's room for that. But we need to get out of the state of mind that we could have nothing after and still feel like we need to get somewhere. Still, like when you, when you drive somewhere with a destination, this is another example. Oftentimes in myself, if I have a destination, I'm, I'm going a little faster. I'm trying to figure out how to cut traffic. I'm trying to get, go through the yellow lights. I'm trying to figure out how to drive maybe eight or nine above speed limit, whatever the cops won't pull me over for. That's what it is. I'm constantly going forward trying to figure out just why. Because I have a destination. That's it. It's like we know what we need to do and therefore we are in the state of busyness all of the time. My question to you is, have you ever driven your car with no destination? You guys laugh. Laugh all you want. I did the other day and it was awesome. I'm not going to lie. Me and my wife, we got a coffee and we just drove. We were looking at properties and houses. We weren't buying. We weren't doing anything like that. We were just like, let's just go drive. I've never driven the speed limit like that in my life because I had nowhere to go. (laughs) But you know how much, how peaceful it was? To be like, come on, come on, let's go. And you're trying to move the person in front of you. And, and my wife's like, why are you rushing them? I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know. I have nowhere to be. So what the heck is going on? But this is where we get. And it's because it's a state of perpetual busyness that we get into that forces us to always go to the next thing all the time, no matter what, and give just the fraction that we can to whatever is actually meaningful and purposeful. I was in a, a drive through at Tim Hortons a little while ago, too. And you guys know how it works. You have two lanes, two intercoms. It's supposed to make everything flow really nicely. And uh, I was abiding by all the laws of the parking lot and driving down the lane that was made for my car to drive down. I wasn't driving across the parking spaces or the lines. I was being a great law-abiding citizen. And 
this person just comes ripping across all the parking spots and just gets right in front of me right before I'm about to pull into the, into the drive-thru. So me and my wife are, are about to get into the drive-thru and I'm like, okay, like, come on, at least just abide by the road, okay? Just go, or the parking lot. Just go into the, what, what, how we naturally progress to the drive-thru lane. Don't cut across everything. So then I'm like, okay, she's going to pick a lane, whatever. It's all good. It doesn't bother me. Then this person decides to sit right in the middle of both lanes. So it doesn't pick a lane. And I don't ever get much feedback for that comment because I think 90% of you do that, which is fair. I've done it. I've done it. So there's no judgment there. But we're all like, well, that's the smart thing to go. No, it's fun. It's like a game. Uh, it's like 50-50 chance. You pick in the, in the, first, the first lane. You, you choose it. And if, you're, if you don't make it through fast, then guess what? You got to re-strategize, re regroup, and figure out the next morning where you pick a better lane. It's a game. That's just how it works. Well, this person was like, picking the middle lane, so I couldn't even get past them either or. And uh, so finally, they pick a lane, then I pick the other lane. And now, the competitive side of Zach is like, I need to win. Like, I, I, I need to get through this, this lane quicker than that person. I don't know why, it's just a competitive edge in me, I guess. And, and we both get to the intercom at the same time, okay? I have never recited an order quicker in my life. You know, at the end, they're like, is that everything? I'm like, yep, yeah, that's all, that's all, that's all, that's all. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I can pull ahead. Yep, keep going. I went through that list. Like, I don't even know if I ordered what was right. I was just like, we're getting faster than the person that cut me off earlier. I don't know why. Again, it was a fleshly thing of me. It wasn't a very godly thing that, that showed up in that moment. But hey, that's, we're all human, and here we are. And so we get there. I get in front, and as I drive forward in front of this person, I let out like a audible, like, ha-ha, like that. And... And my wife was like, did you just laugh? And I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. It was just the competitive side. I, I won, I feel like I won. Why are we always rushing all the time in this busyness and crazy side? You get to the, the Tim Hortons drive through window and like you pay and you tap your card. And then while my hand is still out there holding my debit card, the person's already holding both coffees out the window for me. And I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do? Like, I got to get this back in my wall, get my wallet back in my middle console, and then I can come back and I can grab our coffees. Everyone is just trying to rush you through and get you through quicker and get you through your task that much quicker, whatever it might be. We get stuck in the side all of the time. Now I'm on a rabbit trail. But the other time where I was, uh, I was in a drive-thru and, and the... I don't know, it was, it was the same drive-through and they were rushing me through. And so I decided to like thank them a couple more times just to slow it down for them, you know? They probably hated me for this. But this person at the window kept saying thank you back to me. Like it was the response to anything I said. And so I just decided to go on a thank you thing back and forth with, with this person. So they're like, they give me your coffees and they're here, here you go. And, they're like, and they said, thank you. And I said, oh, thank you. And then she said, thank you. And I was like, Thank you. We did that three or four times until Jess, my wife, is looking at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm sorry. We were just in this thank you battle back and forth. I don't know. It was just like, no, no, thank you. It was just funny. But the, the point of all of this is the fact that everyone is always rushing around. Everyone is in this perpetual state of busyness where we are always trying to get to the next thing that we have. We never give, us enough, give ourselves enough time to breathe, to sit in the peace that God has for us, the joy that we can experience. Like today is a day that the Lord has made and I will 
rejoice and be glad in it regardless of what the day holds. And that's what people always think, well, it wasn't a day worth rejoicing. No, but God is worth rejoicing and therefore we rejoice in the day that he's created. That's just how it works when we're in the midst of this. And so as we go forward, this perpetual state of busyness, I have countless more stories, and I bet you you guys do too, where people are rushing you. They're flipping you certain fingers out the window because you're driving slow or driving beneath the, or maybe they're, they're in the fast lane and they're not going fast and you're just constantly, come on, man, get out of the fast lane. The left lane's for fast. Whatever it is, there's so many stories, so many things that we all have experiences with that all drive the same point home. Very few people pause and almost everyone's in a rush all the time. Always. It doesn't matter what they're doing. They're on vacation. They're at the airport. It doesn't matter. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, you're in a rush. See, this hurrying mindset has left us rushing absolutely everything in life. Even the things that weren't meant to be rushed, like your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your family members. Pretty much any relationship is not meant to be rushed. But this is pushing into every relationship, including our relationship with God, until we're stuck in a spot where we don't know what to do, where to go. We're wondering why we don't feel connected to God. And he's up there going, you just rush through absolutely everything. Everything's just a to-do list for you. When everything's a to-do list for you, things start to not go the way that you want. Like, do you guys believe that God has a plan for your life? Yes. Do you believe that that plan is the best plan for you? Do you believe that that plan is better than your own plan for you? Okay. That went a little bit quieter there. I believe God has called me to where I am. I believe that God has called you to where you are. I believe that God has a plan for you that is the best thing for you to step into with the most happiness, the most joy, the most peace, the most strength, the most long-suffering, the most patience. Every fruit of the Spirit is involved in, the, in God's will for you. But we start to forego and throw away what that will is when we choose to rush through everything in our life. Why do you think you guys can't remember what you did on Wednesday? What'd you eat on Wednesday? Tell me. Maybe some of you can. That's props to you. So many of our days are just completely just, they're just jelloing together, just jello. It's all stuck together. You don't even remember which day is which anymore. Why? Because we have this sense of hurrying all the time. We have this lack of mindfulness in what we do, where we go, who we talk to, why we're talking to someone. And we have this side where technology, of course, is another thing that ties into that, where it always is distracting you. You get stuck in the side where you, it's, it's the, it's... It's, I, I heard this quote a little while ago, and I, I liked it because the, the devil's not, I don't think the devil's really, maybe his, his grand scheme plan is to get you to denounce your faith, maybe. But his initial thing is that you just live so much in a rush, so much, so busy that you don't experience God's full life. You always are just in this lukewarm side where it's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. It's fun. I like the community. It's great. It's just you're indifferent. That's, that's, where, that's where the devil knows he has you somewhere that, that you're just going to slowly go down now. Because if you're not purposeful in what you do and where you go, you're always going to be stuck in a side where you wish and you wanting more in your life. You're wanting a better relationship. You're wanting a better marriage. Um, you might be, if you're a single, you might be rushing the marriage right now going, I just want to find someone. No, don't rush that. God has someone amazing for you and that person's there. Just get close to God, get away from this perpetual state of busyness and you'll see that God's plan will come through. And it's amazing. It'll blow the doors off you. It's so phenomenal. We need to agree with that. I have a question to ask you guys. How many devices do you guys have in your homes that help you save time? Probably a lot. Toasters, microwaves, 
anything like that. It, it saves time. Laundry machines, but like way different than back in the day. Now there's like one laundry machine that does everything. You can literally just leave the wet clothes in there and then turn the drying cycle on apparently, which is, I guess, a little bit more saved time, which is great. Smartphones, you have vac like robot vacuums, laptops, e-readers, home automation. You drive in your driveway and a sensor goes off and all the lights turn on because it saves you a little more time. I don't know. It's just how it works. We get to this spot. We have so many different things, devices that manage your time, audio books, so you don't even have to pick up the book. You can just read it as you go, listen to it as you go at work or in your car. Again, all of these things are great things, but you have they're in a they're serving a purpose in your life that is giving you false hope because you think that you have all this much more time. But my next question is: so you have all these devices, you're probably buying more every single week every month there's something new that goes, oh, we should get this. This is quicker now. This is better. This is more efficient. It's awesome. But how busy are you compared still? I don't think it's changed your busyness. You might have freed up some time, but you just filled that time with more to-do lists, more things to keep you perpetually busy. This is the state of mind that we're in. If we don't break this state of mind, it ruins our faith life completely. And once your faith life is ruined, everything falls suit. Everything, no matter what. I, I, we bought an uh, espresso maker a little while ago and I was trying to be, I was trying to be like a salesman to my wife. Cause like, we, we should get this espresso maker. It'd be amazing. We'd save money. We'd save, like, we won't save money off the hop, but over a year of, of drinking coffees at home, we'll save more money than going through the drive-thrus. We can, we can save more time. I finally got through to get this espresso maker and we barely use it. Okay. <laughs> This is what we are in, in the world we live in. We get just like googly eyes for all these new devices that are supposed to make your life easier, more efficient, and realizing that you still just become more busy and more busy and more busy. Why? Because it's not about the devices. It's about your mindset. It's about what God has for you. Now, the, the, the craziest thing is, is as we go through life and as we read the Bible and we get into his word, we see in, in, in scripture that it, we are to experience heaven on earth, period. We see it in the Lord's Prayer. You see that out of, um, out of Matthew 6, where, where they're reciting the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, there's a line that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is, t is teaching his, his disciples to pray for God's kingdom, God's best, to come on earth to make sure you can experience that when you're walking around in your relationships, in your community, in your home, in your church. See, it's expressing in this verse that the, des that the desire for God's heavenly will will reign on earth, like where we can experience heaven on earth. And that's something that will change our entire life when we start experiencing that. The problem is, is many of us don't experience that. We don't experience the peace, the righteousness, the joy. In Romans 4, 7, 14, 17, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. These are things that we should be experiencing every day of our lives. Yes, we trip up. Yes, we get into spots where we don't feel that. 100%, we're all human beings. But this is what God's best is, that we experience an abundant life on earth. I don't want to live like hell waiting for heaven. I want to live like it is in heaven on earth and then, and then look forward to heaven because th that takes the sting out of death. We're great. It's awesome. You don't have to worry if you get your loved ones saved and get them to church. You can, you can have that joy in knowing that they're in a better place. You have the joy knowing that we're going to join them one day too. The side of experiencing God's best for you needs to 
happen. Otherwise, your relationship with God will continue to go downhill until it affects every single relationship that you have. There's a verse in the Bible, actually a passage of scripture in the Bible that we find in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. And this moment, I'm just going to read it for you guys. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. How many of you have been in that, in that place in your own home, right? You're cleaning. You're the only one cleaning and you wish everyone else would help you clean, but they're not. Now, would you ever get to the point where Jesus walked in? You're like, Jesus, get my brother or sister or my kid to help me clean. I don't know if we'd ever get to that, but you can see that Martha's in this state of like anxious and she's in a state of almost anger, frustration that Mary's not helping her with the chores to prepare for Jesus and his disciples in, this, in his home. And Jesus says something that we need to take with us everywhere that we go. He said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. I, I believe those two Marthas are to calm her down. He's saying, Martha, Martha, like just chill for a second, okay? Like we're, it's gonna be okay. He says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Or indeed, Jesus says, only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Unbelievable. Martha's showing this angst, this, this, this side to her where she's, she's really wanting help. She's wanting to do the right thing. She's out of a, a side to her that where she's doing it out of compassion, out of wanting to serve someone. She probably has that love language where she just wants to acts of service is how she makes people feel loved. She's not in the wrong there. But Mary was saying, Jesus is here. Let's sit down and listen to him. Like the stories, the things that he has to say, like this is the son of God. Like, are we not going to take some time? To, and that's what we're Mary was. And so we have Martha that's frustrated trying to prepare the way for Jesus in their home to whatever it might be with dinner and everything else, which would be quite the thing. I think if I heard Jesus was coming to my house, I'd probably frantically clean too. But then you kind of got to take a step back and go, Jesus is here now. Do I want to prioritize my time in cleaning the house, which is not going to make a big deal to him probably, but relationship will. So I'm gonna maybe focus on the relationship here. And so we see Mary, so so we see Martha's role within this is a caregiver, a compassionate person that wants to make sure everything's taken care of. She has her task list and she wasn't done it yet in that moment. And therefore she's like, Mary, what are you doing sitting down? You know, we have a list to go through. We ought to figure out before Jesus gets here and Jesus is here, which means we got to go double time now to get this done. So everything is perfect. But Mary decides to sit on the floor at Jesus's feet. So what we have to understand within this culture, back in the day, the culture, when someone sat at the feet of a teacher, it showed this eagerness to learn and grow from whoever was teaching. It was this awe, this marvel of, I'm just going to sit at your feet and just speak. I just want to learn. I just want to be there. I want to, I want to better my life. I want to figure out what you have to say to me. I want to, I want to be guided by you. It's this eagerness within the student to learn from the teacher. And Mary's showing this, crossing her legs, sitting on the floor with Jesus. Now, Martha's not doing anything bad. Like I said, she's doing what she felt to be what she needed to do. But Martha's frustration, her busyness eventually led to that frustration, that anxiety of these things aren't done, we got to go. In other words, her prioritization started to go out the window. She started to not see it the way that Jesus is saying, no, 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 you got to see it this way. You can worry about a lot of things, he says, but there's only one thing that matters. And this is Jesus saying, spiritual nourishment. This is Jesus saying, 
a relationship with me. This is far better than cleaning your house. Like, I'm not going to remember tomorrow that, that there was some stuff on the floor. Like, you live here. That's okay, right? I saw, I walked into a house one time and there was a sign on the wall that said, sorry about the mess, but we live here. And I was like, that's good, right? That, that, that makes sense. I think we can all get into that spot and understand that that's probably a good place to be in. See, we see Martha's role, Mary's role, Martha's frustration, and then we see Jesus' response. And now Jesus responds to Martha, Martha's complaint with gentle correction. It wasn't like a scolding her. It wasn't like a pushing her down. It wasn't anything like that. Jesus knew that the intentions of Martha was right, but that her prioritization prioritizations were wrong. Her priorities were wrong. And so as we go forward, he tells her that she is worried and upset about many things, but that few things are needed. Apply that to your life right now. How many things are you worried and upset about right now when you woke up this morning? And now ask yourself the next question of what Jesus says. How many of those are needed? Needed. Not wanted, not something that you just stumble upon. Needed. Let's, re- let's define needed the way that it is. It's a need. How much of that is actually needed in your life? Probably not much. I'd almost to say probably a tenth. We worry about so much. We get anxious about so much when in reality, there's only one thing that matters and it's making sure that our relationship with God comes first. And this is what Jesus is trying to say to Martha. Sit down with Mary is what Jesus is saying. Let's chat. Let's hang out. Let me love you is what I think. Jesus came in there like a dad. Like he's probably like, don't just, just calm, chill, sit. Jesus didn't say sit or didn't say chill, but hey. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But this is what Jesus is saying. See, this hurried lifestyle is terrible because our phones, our technology, of our unending to-do lists of always having to hurry around, it ruins our spiritual life because it ends up forcing us to never spend time with God. Or if we do spend time with God, it's just, it's just the to-do list. It's on our to-do list. It's on our task. It's on that little iPhone notes that you have where you can put the bubble there with the check mark. It's like devotions, check. Yes, I got the check mark. That's how we feel with so many things in our life. And, and that starts to impact your marriage. Then you go, oh, we, yeah, it's true. We do need to have date night. We should probably have it once every week or once every two weeks if we can do it. And it becomes a to-do list. Oh, yeah, date night. Yes, I got it. We got date night through and back to work. No, this is we're losing what, what and, and I'm in the same boat. So I'm not judging anyone for, for this decision because I feel in the same boat. I'm stepping on my own toes right now, okay? And it's, and it's in a spot where we are all learning and growing in God's favor and blessing and teachings together. But we're in a spot where we realize that we are starting to prioritize the wrong things and all the unending to-do list things that come up to the top, realizing that all of our relationships and all of our family and, and everything to do with church and our community starts to fall by the wayside because you're just like, meh, whatever. I'm busy. I can't really do that right now. I'll figure it out later. But we never actually do because our prioritizations are a little bit off. And so in this In this verse, we see a few different things. The first thing we see is a prioritizing of spiritual nourishment. That's what we see in Jesus. Jesus is saying, no, no, you emphasizing that. No, 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 like your spiritual self is is much more important. If your spiritual self is good, then the to-do list you have to complete at home won't stress you out. Because you'll be like, I'll get it done. I'll figure it out. You'll have peace. You'll have joy. You'll, you'll be able to walk in that patience and, and the fruits of the spirit that we read about all the time. That's why God's saying, just, just focus on me. If you focus on me, yes, you'll still have a to-do list because many of us want to make sure we get the things we need to get done. That's not what I'm saying. The side is, is that we get stuck in this just perpetual state of mind that never ends of busy, 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 no matter what. You could literally clear your entire plate and probably still figure out a way to say busy to someone. 
That's just how it works. And it's scary because it starts to just, uh, just uproot and erode every relationship that we have. So the things that we learn from this scripture with Martha, Mary, and Jesus is, first of all, Jesus showing prioritizing spiritual nourishment. The second thing is we see balance in life within this, within this um, verse. It, it underscores the need for balance. While practical tasks are obviously essential, they, they, they have a place in the world that we live in. We have to do them, absolutely. It's less important than our spiritual nourishment. And if we get those priorities wrong, we're always going to see our life take on a different meaning than what we read in Scripture. And you're going to go, oh, then there's no God. And then you're going to go down a path going, oh, whatever. Like, I don't know if I believe this anymore. Why? Because you just never prioritized it properly. You never really made it something you desire to do. I always say it's one thing to discover Jesus, and right now you're, you're doing great at discovering him. You're, you're, you're listening to message. You're, you're doing devotions at home, if that's the case. You're listening to other pastors online, whatever it is. That's great at discovering God's word for you. The next thing after you discover is for us to do what God's word says. Be like him in all our ways. That's our actions. Acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. Then the third thing is that Jesus wants to desire us to desire a relationship with him. If you have kids, do you want your kids just to hang out with you because they have to? Or do you want them to hang out with you because they desire to hang out with you? If your kid says, can we go to the park? I want you to hang out with you, dad. I want to hang out with you, mom. I want to hang out with you, grandma or grandpa. How amazing. And how much does that just pierce your heart when someone has the desire to be with you? That's what Jesus is wanting us to be with him. When we desire to be with him, our life begins to change. So we see balance in life where we need to strive for the spiritual nourishment as well. And then, of course, he's saying, Jesus is saying to Martha, pretty much avoid the busyness, okay? Like you don't have to be busy all the time. You can prioritize things better and make sure you go through your life a little bit different so we can get to that time because Jesus' approach in most of scripture, everything that we do, we very, very rarely see a very frustrated or very passionate, like, I mean, like not angrily, but you know what I mean? In that kind of like heightened uh, emotions of Jesus, he's always very calm and just says what he needs to say. And Jesus' approach was characterized by understanding and compassion. He doesn't condemn Martha for the, f- the fact that she maybe had her prior- priorities wrong in that moment. Instead, it's Martha's desire to redirect her focus towards what is most important. See, Jesus is saying, no, just redirect your focus. It's good to take care of people. It's good to clean. It's good to do what you need to do to make sure you feel good in your home and wherever else. But where are your priorities at? And that's, where, that's this approach that we see within Jesus. I have a few more things before I close here, but this, I compiled this list because it's what I genuinely have felt in different areas of my life that I felt I was super busy. I felt that I was always rushing. I felt like I never actually gave the attention that I should be giving to the the different areas of my life. And um, I found myself, you will never be able to love your spouse effectively while being in a rush ever. You'll never be able to make lasting memories for your kids while being in a rush. You'll never be able to truly experience joy, the joy we hear about, we read about in the Bible when you're in a rush. You'll never be able to truly experience peace when you're in a rush. You'll never be able to cultivate gratitude and thankfulness while being in a rush. And you will never be able to enjoy time with God while being in a rush. That's just how it works. We get to the spot where you're like, 
I don't know how to live anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't experience joy. I don't experience peace. But then, but that's okay. That's for tomorrow. I got to get back to what I got to do. And it's like, no, no, no. This state of busyness. And and we can all uh, understand and and connect with that feeling because we feel it. You drive drive home. You'll see it within everyone, everywhere. Every all the, You'll see someone speed past you, cut you off in traffic. Everyone's in this busyness, perpetual state of mind of busyness. And what I always do now, and it's, it's a practice, but when I see that, I'm like, okay, just like keep the peace sack, keep my peace, like make sure I am experiencing the peace that God's given me. They're clearly needing to be on this journey as well that I'm on and they need to get off of this busy train and go towards what God has best for them. Um, yeah, it's uh, all of my worst moments, I will say, all of my worst moments in my life. And I, I'd, I'd encourage you to think about your worst moments in your life. And, and, and I mean with people, with relationships, with different things. And, and so many of them as a, as a friend, as a pastor, as a husband have always happened when I'm in a rush. Always, 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 always. And don't get me wrong. We don't, we, there's, there's a place for rush priorities. There's priorities. It's when we prioritize things wrong. There's 911 emergencies that happen where you have to be in a rush, but those are far and few in between. And, but we, we live like that every day. We're like, no, we got to get here. We got it. No, no, no. There's probably like 10 times in your life where you'll be in a state of, I got to go blow every single red light. Cause we got to get somewhere. That's different. This is just getting out of the state of perpetual busyness. And so I want to share, as I close right here, the three Ps of an unhurried lifestyle. The three Ps of an unhurried lifestyle. The first is prioritization. I did a message, and I think you guys would have, actually, I think you guys got it as a, as a video here, of prioritization within that. And so prioritization is so incredibly important. Most of our priorities are out of whack. And if you feel busy, you feel hurried, you feel rushed all the time, it's because your priorities are not in order. When you have your priorities in order, you shouldn't feel this angst with having to rush around this angst with having to be busy you shouldn't feel that you should feel this i have things to do but we'll get them done that that's where it comes in priorities is absolutely massive number two i got to do a whole message on this one presence many of you are here right now physically but might not be here emotionally or spiritually your 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 presence isn't here but it's it is you know what i'm saying you get into this physical side where you might be at your kid's football game but you're not watching you might, or if you are watching, it's because you know your kid's going to ask, did you see my touchdown? And that's why you're watching. And it's funny, but, but, but when, again, it comes back to the desire thing. It's even better to just want to be in the moment when, when your child does something that is just life-changing for that person at that moment, right? Like a touchdown or like uh, he caught the ball or whatever it might be. You should be in a p- place where you can be present in that moment and you can't be present if you don't prioritize properly. You have to prioritize properly so you can clear your head of what's going on in your life and move on to presence. I got caught in this in my marriage a few times where I'm driving down the highway, focused on the road. My wife's telling me about her day. I get stuck in the just, oh yeah, oh yeah, like that. Then she tells me how bad her day is that day and I say, that is awesome. I said back to her. <laughs> Why? Because I was physically present, but I wasn't mentally present. I wasn't fully listening to the words coming out of her mouth. And I'm sharing that with you because this is everyday life. Many of us do this. I'm imperfect. Welcome to Zach. Okay? Here I am. And that's okay. But we get in this stuck where we're like, what the heck is going on? Why? Because we're not actually present. Being present is important. Clear the stuff off your, off your, off your list of things to do that isn't meaningful and isn't purposeful. Let you sit with that for a second. <laughs> the third one's pacing. Pacing is so important. So important that the Bible 
God even talked about Sabbath and rest in, in regards to pacing your life and not doing more than you should and making sure that you take a moment to chill, take a moment to rest, take a moment to just step back and just be thankful, be grateful, and just rest from what you're doing. Why do they do that? Because it's important for us to be energized. It's important for us to not be run down to the ground. It's important for us to make good decisions that have good consequences back through the, and pacing is massive. Now, the problem with Sabbath is everyone makes its own religion around Sabbath and when you should rest and when you should do this. And I love the verse out of Mark where Jesus is teaching his disciples about Sabbath. And Jesus says this, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's because God's saying, go rest when you need to rest. Enjoy, have that day you need to take for him. Enjoy this pacing, this pause is what, is what this entire message is about. But I haven't even said the word once. Pausing is so important in your life. And if you don't think you have time for pausing, you got to make time for pausing because that's when you're, you're off on the other side of, of the ditch and it's going to start to spiral in many different areas and many different relationships in your career. And you're going to start to have a, a, a mental breakdown if you don't learn that pausing into what is actually important. There's a balance in living. There's a balance in family. There's a balance in work. There's a balance in church. There's a balance in everything that we do. And if we don't learn to pause, we will never experience the balance ever. If I can leave one thing with you, because I'm a little bit over time now, but if I can leave one thing, it's an action point. And the action point is I'm still working on this, but when I choose in my day to pause, and, and what I mean by a pause is I discovered do not disturb on my iPhone, which is like amazing. It, it takes all your notifications off your screen. I'm sure there's something for any smartphone out there. And it starts to just change where you go into your home screen and there's no notifications there. None. It makes them all disappear so you can just focus on whatever you want to focus on. It sounds as all the calls and you can do it. You can add people to that so you can still have the emergency calls that you think you're going to get the moment you silence your phone. And we all are stuck in this scary fear thing where it's like, well, if I don't have my phone on me, it's like, you're not that important. Okay. I'm sorry to break it to you. I'm not that important either. We've lived without phones. Ditch the phone, ditch your devices and pause. What does pause mean? It means get out, think, marvel at what God's made. Look at the trees, look at the mountains, go do something for you and God, period. I mean, get away from your spouse and don't go for three hours, okay? Don't say, Pastor Zach said we have to learn to pause. So I'm, go I'm gone for the day. No, I'm saying 15 to 30 minutes, okay? Okay, and if you're doing that, then we have a different problem to solve in that too. So it's just like, but pausing, just take 15 to 30 minutes. I'd say twice a day, wake up a little bit earlier, leave your phones, go pray, maybe go just walk and look around and enjoy. It can be used for so many different things. And I promise you, if you choose two of these areas or two times during your day to pause, I promise you, it will become your favorite part of your day because it just completely grounds you and makes you go, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need my phone. I don't need these devices that constantly have notifications going down. No, I can get back to where we were before and I can focus for long periods of time. I can be present in where I am. Don't pause and be somewhere else. Be, be present in that pause. Go for a walk. Take, leave earlier for work and take the long way to work and don't feel like you have to speed. Set cruise to the speed limit, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm saying this because I feel like it'll change your life. I'm not saying it because I'm like we, we read about Martha and Mary and Jesus scolding Martha. No, Martha was saying, or Jesus was saying it with compassion and saying, no, no, Martha, just get your priorities straight because if you do, oh, 
life is worth living. But if you don't get your priorities straight and you don't pace yourself and you don't get to a spot where, where life just becomes something you don't want to live. And that's not the way God created it. God created us to thrive in the midst of anything. And we have to understand that in the midst of wars, in the midst of anxiety, if we're experiencing it, in the midst of loss, in the midst of whatever you're in, we've been created that if we always make sure that our spiritual nourishment is priority number one, we can live life and we can learn to rejoice in every season. I'm, I'm going a little bit off topic now, but there's a verse in Ecclesiastes that talks about there being a season for everything. And King Solomon was writing it and, and he, was, he, was, he thought to him, him be in his old age because he just had this list that was just so wise on there's a season for everything. There's a season for grief. There's a season for growth. There's a season for growing and there's a season for cutting away. There's a season for everything. There's a season for doing and resting. There's a season for everything. And when you find that priority straight and you can just rest in the season that you're in, trusting in God, it is phenomenal what it will do for your life, for your family, for your church, for your community. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I'm just gonna pray as we close out this this service. I just want to, I just want to bring, I don't know, just Jesus is so amazing. And the opportunity that we have to learn about him and to draw near to him is something we should never familiarize ourselves with. And so many people here, whether you're watching online or maybe you're sitting in here, maybe all of you are Christians and you believe in Jesus, which is awesome. And if that's the case, then we got to invite more people to church. Because church is about reaching the lost and, and making disciples of those that already believe in Jesus. And I just want to take a moment like we do in every service that if you're out there and maybe this message is the one that clicked for you. Maybe two weeks ago message, maybe another pastor speaking up on stage said something you've been thinking about it for ages and you're like, I just want to do it. Maybe today's the day that you want to give your life to Jesus and start this Christian journey that we all are on. And it is a journey. If you've been a Christian for 30 years or for one year, it's still the journey, no matter what. And so as everyone's eyes closed and head, head is bowed, I just want to take a quick moment and look around the room. And if you want to be accepted in this prayer to become a Christian, to start this spiritual journey with Jesus, to prioritize him first, I just want you to raise your hand and just no one looking around but you and me. Just raise your hand and I'm going to accept you in this prayer today. Anywhere you are, thank you. Awesome. So good. Thank you. Thank you. So great. It's so good to be in this. If you're watching online right now through technology, we have the exact same ability to pray this prayer and to believe on Jesus. Thank you. And it's such a, uh, it's just a great place where we can be. Even on, uh, on technology, if you're, if you're listening to this message, all you got to do is just pray this prayer we're about to pray and you're accepted into God's family forever. It is such an amazing thing to do. So I want everyone that I've looked around, everyone to repeat this prayer after me with all those giving their life to Jesus. The prayer goes like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. Please come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. Give me the power to change every day, every year, for the rest of my life. Jesus, I'm serving you. In your name, Amen and amen. Let's give a round of applause to all those incredible people that made that decision.